Well, good morning. Uh, this is WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Again, once again, we're very happy that you tuned in and looking for a good show today. I'm sitting here with my good friend, David Abood. Hey, Jan. Great to be here with you. Another day, another show, another year coming to a close. So, um, you know, it's very interesting looking back on this year, David, everything that's happened. And just with this radio program, the number of guests we've had literally from around the world. I was thinking about the other day. I know we had, you know, Thailand. I think we had Morocco, uh, South Africa, yeah. uh, Europe. The yeah. concert pianist came in. Yeah. Um, and several others. And so that was really good. I, Macedonia it, he was from. Exactly. Yeah. Looking forward to that kind of thing in the coming uh, new year, 2024. And then, of course, when we don't have that, we get local guests, local ministries like Fellowship of Christian Athletes or uh, all of these kind of different groups that are out here. And so today... What I wanted to do is, because we don't have a special guest, I mean, unless we're special. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, come on. Uh, look, and it is Christmas. I wanted to look at prophecy. The fact that what makes the Bible so unique is so many things are predicted or prophesied 500 years, 1,000 yeah. years before the event takes place. And this is true. We're just going to try to look predominantly at the book of Isaiah, 60, 66 chapters. Written 700 years, approximately 700 years B.C., that is to say before the coming of Jesus Christ. But it's loaded, embedded with all these different uh, prophecies mm -hmm. and um, characteristics of the coming Messiah, i.e. The, the person of Jesus Christ. So I want to look at that today and then uh, delve into it, and we're going to see how it's actually related to the Christmas uh, story. Um, so we're going to start by looking at uh, Isaiah chapter 7. Now this is the famous... Uh, you'll see it on Christmas cards and all of these kinds of things when you look at it. And one of the things that helps when we study the Old Testament, yeah. it gives us a solid foundation of our faith. Christianity didn't start when Jesus was born. You know, a lot of people think yeah. that. That's the start. And then you got the Gospels and, of course, then the Epistles. But it really started, in a sense, thousands of years ago mm -hmm. with this foreshadowing. of a, Think of, like, if you're on a beach in the morning, let's say you're in Florida or something, and the sun starts coming up. You can see the sun. You can almost look directly at it. But as it gets higher and higher, by noonday, it's fully mm -hmm. bright, all yeah. is shiny. You can't even look at it. So, too, God's revelation to us is progressive. It starts gradually, gradually, gradually. And then when the person of Jesus Christ comes with his birth, his life, yeah. his death and resurrection, it's like full new. It's, it's, full, it's in full glory. And so we're going to start and look at this in uh, chapter 7. And, of course, this is the big the big uh, one here, the big prophecy, uh, starting in uh, verse 10 and 11, where the Lord spoke to Ahaz, and he says, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord, your God. Mm -hmm. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. In other words, ask me for a sign or a miracle or something really special. And then the response is, the king, he says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. But the Lord told him to ask. And he says, then he won't do it. Then the Lord says, okay. Um, then he says, of course, therefore the Lord, verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Sign means miracle, wonder. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he says, behold, that's, mm -hmm. notice that word, that's a very important word. Right. Pay attention. This is, mm -hmm. and now, you know, hear ye, hear ye. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Yeah. So there is the Christmas story mm -hmm. 
that this virgin, which is a miracle of miracles, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And of course, Emmanuel means uh, God with us. Right. And those are both referenced in, in Matthew mm-hmm. and in Luke when it talks about the, the coming Messiah. Yep. Now, when you look at miracle births, it's not unheard of because you'll see that in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. like with Abraham and Sarah, uh, they couldn't have a child. They wanted a child. They couldn't have a child because he was very old and she was very old. And the Lord appears to them and promises, I'll give you a child this time next year. Of course, that would be Isaac. It's the same thing with Isaac's wife. It was very difficult with Rebecca and then with Jacob, with Rachel. But you see, is particularly uh, when you come to the person of Samson's parents, they couldn't have a child, you know, just not able to have. And then an angel appears to them and promises, you'll have a child. Right. And that would be Samson. Yeah. You see it again with Hannah, with Samuel. John the Baptist's parents were well beyond the years of it. Mm-hmm. My point being that these are all lesser miracles. The biggest miracle of all would be a virgin would conceive. And this harkens way back to Genesis chapter 3, where um, God says, I will, to the woman, mm-hmm. uh, after the fall of uh, Adam and Eve, I will put enmity between the woman's seed and your seed. He's speaking of the serpent. In other words, there's going to be this conflict. Yeah. But the seed of a woman is weird yeah. because the man has the seed, right? But that, that gives you a hint. There's this coming one born of a woman who's going to crush the head of Satan. But in the process, Satan is going to bruise his heel. He's going to hurt him. Yes. So that, that this is the start of it in Isaiah with the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And again, you'll often see this on Christmas cards and, and hymns, mm-hmm. the idea that uh, the virgin shall bear a son. And notice his name. God with us. Yes. One of his titles. Yeah. So when you move just to the next chapter, let's say chapter nine, um, you get all these other kind of early prophecies coming. If you just, let's say chapter nine, and if you read one through verse two, verse one through two, it's loaded with information here now. Sure. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun in the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light was dawned. Okay, so here, here we see this idea. There's a lot of gloom and doom, so to speak, right. like with some parts of the world are today. Yes. And then... Um, he comes, but he's lightly esteemed. He's not recognized fully. But notice where it's at, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. So if you look at a Bible map, those were tribal areas, what we would call today, um, kind of like uh, in Ohio, you have how many different communities, you know, you know, you have these different little- 88 counties. County and provinces. Right. So these, these are right around Lake Galilee, mm-hmm. where Jesus has his ministries, Zebulun and Naphtali. Uh, the people are oppressed there. Of course, they were under the Romans. But notice it's by the sea. There's the Mediterranean near the Jordan River. So it locates it really good. Mm. Then it says in the Galilee of the Gentiles. So there's Lake Galilee. One side is predominantly Jewish. The other side is predominantly Gentile. Yeah. It says the people who walked in darkness, spiritual darkness, have seen not just a light, but a great light. This is the coming Messiah. That's why Jesus is the light of the world. Those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death Upon them, a light has shined. And of course, Jesus will use this 
when he opens up his ministry in Matthew chapter 4 in the gospel. He'll use this very text and say, basically, uh, I'm here. Yeah. Um, and he says in verse 3, you have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you. So these people are really happy. Not everybody was. A lot of people were happy to see this coming Messiah. But then look at his titles in verse 6. If you want to read that, David. Yes. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, now. Yeah. Remember we saw a child was going to be born in chapter yeah. 7? Yeah. Now this is more descriptions or titles, if you were, this child. Notice it says, a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now, that's a very important phrase, because in his humanity, his incarnation, the child is born. Mm -hmm. But he's a son forever. Yeah. That's why it says in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave yeah. us his only yeah. begotten the son. Yeah. And Jesus will say, uh, before Abraham was, I am. That's his eternal, he's the eternal son. But when he enters into humanity, he is born. Do you understand? Yeah. It's a very powerful thing here that people, some people just recognize the deity. They don't put much stock in his physicality that yeah. he's a human being. Right. Others will just focus on him being a human being and not that he's God. And so you, mm -hmm. you can't have it both ways. I always like when they're crossing references of the Sea of Galilee here, Lake Galilee, really. When he's going across Lake Galilee with his apostles, he's sleeping, and then uh, a great storm comes, and they go and wake him and say, Lord, aren't, aren't you concerned we're going to die? Well, see, in his humanity, he was weary, mm -hmm. and he was sleeping. Yeah. Very human. Mm -hmm. But in his deity, he stands up and tells the wind to be stopped and the sea to stop. And just it says immediately there was a stillness. Well, those are attributes of God listed in the Old Testament, that he could control the storms. Humanity, deity, clearly illustrated here. Mm -hmm. A son is given, and then it says, the government will be upon his shoulders. Of course, Jesus says, all, all authority has been given unto me, therefore go make disciples of all nations. See, because he's the king. He's not just the king. He's the king of kings. Right. The Bible says, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So now we're seeing the government will be upon his shoulders. Now, it's not totally there today, although many people are coming under his kingship. When you get saved and you seek to, to obey the Lord, yeah, that's why we pray the Our Father, in a sense. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed yeah. be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is. So we want his lordship, or if you can say his kingship, we're his loyal subjects. We're his children, but we're his loyal subjects. So Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we're coming in on it now. At the end of the world, everybody's going to, even demons will, will, will yep. bend the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But now we're told the government will be about his shoulders. But look at these names he's called. Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Yeah. How can you call a prophet Mighty God? Yeah. You can't call Moses or even Isaiah right mm -hmm. this. Or, but he is called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Then it says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David, over his kingdom, and he will order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forevermore. So now we see this coming kingdom. Right. It starts small, right? A little baby is born. And if you look at Daniel, you'll see this, a little glimpse of this in Daniel chapter 2. 
um, uh, how this is going to uh, kind of take place. Um, let me just turn there mm-hmm. real quick. Daniel chapter two. Right. Got it. Okay. I have it. Okay. Now I want to get to that. There's a little, that little stone. You see the one where it's the verse that talks about that little stone is going to be hurled at that that big colossus. I get there. Trailer. Trailer. Um. So that's that, that, what is Daniel got is a vision. He's interpreted these these great vision that um, De, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has of this giant, which speaks of human governments, right? And they're going to be crushed. And you'll see this uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Let me just put the background. Yeah. In chapter two. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He calls all his uh, magicians in and wise men, and he wants them to interpret it. And he says, verse six. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you'll receive from me gifts. In other words, if you can tell me, not just, they can't just interpret, they have to know even what he dreamt and then interpret it. Very impossible. And uh, then he says, then I'll give you great gifts. He says, uh, we can't do it. They basically says, it, then he says, the, the Chaldeans, verse 10, is magicians and all them, says the king and said, there is, there is not a man in the earth who can tell the king's matter. It is difficult. And so, uh, except for the gods. In other words, they say nobody can do this. But when Daniel comes in, verse 14, it says, then with the counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok, the captain of the kings. He says, he answered and said, uh, Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time, verse 16, to, to, to pray about it. And then he goes into him and he says, God will give him discernment. Now look what he interprets this dream at. He says, uh, starting in uh, verse 20, blessed be the name God forever and ever. And he changes the lives of Caesar. He removes the king, sets him up, takes him down. He says, Daniel interprets the dream. He tells about this stone. A little stone is going to strike these kingdoms, like something like David and Goliath, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, but the, the, then the stone is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, like a mountain and fill the earth. Well, see, that's like Jesus, that stone. He comes in as a little baby in a manger, you know, lives a, this really a short life, 33 years, dies, buried, resurrection. But then he strikes the kingdoms of Satan, but he also, he's going to establish his king, his, his, he's going to, his whole rulership is going to cover the earth like a mountain. It starts out small, and it's going to get very big. Right now, there's about one-fourth uh, one to, yeah, about one-fourth of all humanity somehow names the name of Jesus Christ. Not saying they're all Christian, but roughly about 2.2 billion people. Of, oh, there's about 8 billion-plus people in the world today. But that talks about, yeah. back to Daniel, that speaks about, I mean, back to Isaiah, it speaks about him having all of this authority and his kingdom will have no end. Because why? He he is the son of David. You know, he that's the line of the Judah. Right. And that's a kingly line. And that's why Jesus is often hailed as the king of the Jews. And that's what it says in uh, when the wise men come. Yeah. They're coming from far away. And what are they saying? Where's the king of the Jews? Where's the king of the Jews? You know, they don't want to give him these gifts. Yeah. When he dies, Pontius Pilate says, king of the Jews. He didn't believe it, but he puts above the cross, king of the Jews. Yeah. So that's what we're seeing here when we look at Isaiah, back to Isaiah chapter 9. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. You know, Jan, uh, in there, it talks about, you know, the descriptors of who Christ will be. And they clearly state prince of peace. And so, you know, it's always been surprising to me that the Jews thought he was going to be more of a military yeah. type figure. I, I mean, and, and this was written 
739 to 681 BC, right? This right. is the Old Testament. Um, so I, I, I was always confused by that, you know, how they really didn't see it based on the scripture. Yeah, but right. Those character traits would be. Right. In other words, they had a difficult time putting this all together. Yeah. What they do know is, as we go through Isaiah, yeah. they knew when he would come, that he yeah. would open blind eyes. We'll see that in Isaiah 35. They knew he could open deaf ears. They knew he could do all these things, God-like things, really. Right. What they didn't realize it was there's two comings. Mm. One, he comes to set men free from sin and the power of Satan. Yeah. Second time he comes, yeah. he's going to come as king of kings and lord right. of lords. Right. First time he comes, he lets sinful mm -hmm. men judge him and kill him on the cross. Second time he comes, he's coming to judge sinful men. Yes. You see, first time he comes as the Lamb of God. Yeah. Second time he comes as the Lion of Judah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, and, uh, but yeah, he has conquered. He is conquering the earth. And really, mm -hmm. every person that gets saved, David, and, and yeah. makes him Lord, in a sense, he's conquered you. And yeah. what I mean by that is um, you voluntarily come under his authority. That's why one of the most important things to be saved is to be humble, is to say, I'm a sinner. You know, all of sin comes up. When I, if a man can't admit he's a sinner, he doesn't need a savior. Does you understand what I'm saying here? But yep. once you say, I'm a sinner, that's what the apostle Paul knew. He says, I know I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Once you know that, it's not hard to bend your knee and say, okay, Lord, please save me. And then yep. I want to live a continual life of seeking to please you. And, and I've come under your, what I call like kingly reign. Right. Now, he's benevolent. It's not harsh. But nevertheless, that's uh, this whole idea of his kingship. He is the king. He was declared a king at his birth. He's declared a king at his death. Angels will declare him a king of kings, lord of lords, as we come into this wow. final stage of humanity. Yeah. Okay. So now we turn, actually, it's 7, 9, 11. It's easy to remember these chapters. <laughs> uh, but then, now this is where it gets really, really kind of interesting. Chapter 11 in Isaiah, we're going to see. Uh, you can read if you want, David. Oh, sure. Uh, verse 1 through 3. I'm sorry, 1 and 2. Okay. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Okay, so now this coming one, the Messiah, what Messiah means anointed one, and here we see his anointing by the Holy Spirit. But notice, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. So it's, when you think of Jesse, that's the father of David and his brothers, right? That's Judah, that's a kingly tribe. Jesse is the father of but that tree line has been cut down, but out of it is going to come this little yeah. tiny shoot, little stem. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. From the stem of Jesse, and and a branch shall grow out of his out of his roots. So he's <clears throat> he's coming, he's coming. He's really tender and he's small, but the spirit of the Lord is going to be upon him. Do you see this? Mm -hmm. The spirit of the Lord is going to be upon him, and then uh, this is all talks about fully orb Holy Spirit anointed upon wisdom console, might, all of these features. But then look at verse um, 10. Same chapter. 
In the day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, the nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. No. Yeah. Look at this. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse. Now, the stem comes after the root, right? It grows up. But right. now it comes, it's coming before. Uh, shall be a root of Jesse. This idea of before and after. Remember what we said about a child is born, a yeah. son is given? Well, if you look at the end of the Old Testament, this is a really important point. That's yeah. the reason I just it. Right. His before and after appearance. But if you see in one of the, the way Jesus describes himself, last chapter of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 16. Chapter 22, verse 16, you'll see the same idea. Right. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. Now notice, wow. he's the root yeah. that comes before the, and then he's the offspring. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Root, offspring. Once you understand this, it kind of was a key to understanding the deity and the humanity of Jesus. That's what they couldn't understand when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Yeah. You know, or John the Baptist would say, he who's coming after me is before me. Well, he was born at least six months after John. So this is a very, very powerful thing. And Jesus yeah. makes a case for this. Uh, I want our listeners to hear this because it's very, very important. It gives you good insight into the scripture and the person of yeah. Jesus. If you look at chapter 22 in Matthew, chapter 22 in Matthew, this is the end, near the end of Jesus' ministry that he's confronted the Pharisees, people that kind of knew the scripture. <clears throat> and it says in verse 41, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, he says, Who do you, what do you think about Christ? Whose son is he? Okay, they want to know mm -hmm. who, the Messiah, whose son. Yeah. They said the son of David. In other words, they knew he had to be in the line of David, the right. kingly line. Yeah. So he, he's the great, 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 mm -hmm. great, let's say great, great, great grandson of David, King David. Okay, then Jesus says, how then does David, by the Holy Spirit, in other words, this isn't David's idea, how does David then, in the Holy Spirit, call him Lord? And he's going to quote from Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how can he be his son? You see what he's saying here? He's he's put he's checkmating these guys. He is. If he's if he's the son of David, that means he comes after, right? And he's born. Mm -hmm. But if he comes before David, he yeah. called him Lord, as called Kyrios. How do you gonna reckon that? Either he is God come in the flesh, which fits the program here, right? Mm -hmm. That's your answer, really. Yeah. They 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 won't answer him. They say we we don't know. We yeah. don't know. <laughs> but you do know what solves the riddle, if I will call it a riddle. If he existed in all eternity, in other words, he's Lord before David, but then at a point in time, he's going to be a descendant of David. You see how that works? Yeah. It's very powerful. And a lot of people don't, you know, I think we have to know how these these little tools work in the scripture, how these things work to it. I don't know, when you grew up, did you get that? I mean, did you no, have that? Well, right? I, no, I didn't. But I think, you know, even as we're going through this show today, I think the most pronounced thing for me is the authority that Jesus spoke. And um, there, there was no prophets like him, John. There was no humans like him. And, um, you know, you've brought that up a few times, but 
I, I think the only way really to understand how we can follow the Great Commission and help create other disciples mm-hmm. is you really have to understand the Word mm-hmm. because you're going to be given questions, but it also really, man, does it reinforce my faith when I see things like this? You're right. I mean, it absolutely reinforces my faith. So I have conviction when I'm trying to pull people to take a peek at this. You know, it, it's it's almost like you, you got The Walking Dead. And, you know, I know there's movies about that. Uh, I'm not talking about zombies, but in some way, when you think about who we were before we came to the Lord, right. we, we were. We were walking dead. Your good point. It, and so because of that good news, for me, it, it's a delicate process because there's some people that just think you're off the cuff or you're a Jesus freak if you start talking about your faith. And, you know, the, they a lot of people will tell me, I'm a good person. Yeah. I go to church. I give to my charity. I help in the food line when our church delivers food. That's not it. Yeah, right. You know, and I think, Isaiah, it's going to be very clear, too, if you get to that point, the only way to have true life and uh, life abundantly, let alone uh, to be in heaven with Christ, is to follow him. Yeah. And he's the only way. It's not your good deeds. And, you know, when you take a look at Isaiah, it kind of is, you usually go through this, but... It's kind of like a miniature Bible, isn't it, John? Yeah, right. The first 39 chapters, they're like the 39 books of the Old Testament, and they're filled with judgment about immoral and idolatrous men. Judah has sinned, the surrounding nations have sinned, and then the whole earth has sinned. Judgment's going to come. God cannot allow such blatant sin. So then the good news, the 27 books of the New Testament declare the hope and the good news, but it's all kind of spelled out in Isaiah. Too. Yeah, and the prior to the New Testament. Yeah, the the point being that yeah, the thirty nine, first thirty nine chapters mm. of Isaiah are like the Old Testament, right? What what was interesting about the fortieth chapter, which is where the New Testament would begin, got the twenty seven yeah. books. That's where you see John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. So how does the New Testament start with John the Baptist? So it fits really aligns itself. And what's also interesting about Isaiah, yeah, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered discovered in nineteen forty eight. Um, they found parchments, parts of uh, all the Old Testament books, yeah. plus other commentaries, etc. Uh, but they found this full scroll of Isaiah, the full scroll. You can see it to this day yeah. out of uh, Tel Aviv. No, I'm sorry, Jerusalem. Right. Uh, you can see this thing unfurl. Right. Yeah. You know. Um, why that's so important is because it's, it's so so many verses. Yeah. Like we're studying right now, talking on a radio station that show the person of Jesus yeah. Christ. Then the Christmas should trigger us or get us interested when you see how we started with Isaiah chapter 7. Unto mm-hmm. us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. So this is like, there's an Old Testament verse that says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Christians, uh, all of us really, I know one's special, but that we just don't know how now, to put this together and instructed us to have a firm foundation and not drift away from the faith because we don't we just don't know how, how solid our faith is. If I'm completely open and honest with myself, I just assumed that when I was baptized, mm-hmm. when my parents told me I was baptized mm-hmm. right as a little infant, that I'm in great shape. Right. 
And I was always informed that if you weren't baptized, you're in trouble. You don't stand a chance to go to heaven. Right. That was the way my brain worked and what I was told by the people that were my supervisors or my mentors. Um, but they didn't know any better, a lot of them either. No. And so it's clear you have to become a follower of Jesus Christ for any chance to have life with him in heaven. There, there, there's no other path forward. We, we, we still need to do our good deeds. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. You know, we need to you know, try and bring people over for sure. But, you know, uh, but man, was I misinformed. So I thought I could just go about my life, show up for church one hour a week, do a couple of community things, differ, deliver some food to the poor, and I'm like in great shape. See, that's the fruit. Yeah. Uh, the root is the key issue. Yes. You you, you do, like the mm. people say, you, mm -hmm. you're not saved by good works, but you yeah. are saved for good works. Because mm -hmm. good works, what you just said, are very important. Oh, yeah. Give to the poor, mm -hmm. be kind orphans send the gospel to the end of the world but the first starting point is do you have the relationship with jesus yes then anyone even an atheist if you really look at life you know as we're coming to the end of this year 2023 going to the christmas season and said one of the most important things about life is relationship yeah am i right yeah if you have a relationship let's say even on a human level mm -hmm. with your wife with your children with your friends with your team Things flourish, you know, you have a, a good relationship. Right. If they break down, if that relationship is broken, it's problematic. We're seeing that all around us today. Doesn't matter how much money, how much celebrity, how good looking. But if you, the first and key relationship is your relationship with God mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ. After that, then you establish the horizontal, which is your relationship with your fellow people starting with your private relationships and working outward and uh, the bible just shouts that at us like almost every page that uh, this indeed is the case and he showed us out of the relationship yeah you know some of my notes i wrote you know as i mentioned judah has sinned the surrounding nations have sinned just the backdrop of isaiah in the time period the whole earth has sinned we're we're in the same situation yeah. right now you know, you're right we're in the same situation right now the, the, the book is true. It speaks the truth. Yeah. You know, I, it's interesting. They classify Isaiah as the St. Paul of the Old yeah, Testament yeah, and the good. Shakespeare of the prophets right. because of just the way he, he writes, the way he articulates. It's poetic. It's clear. It's easy to understand. Um, so, it, you know, and it's all, it's all there. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's hard to look past when you follow it. Um, you know, and even today... Where, you know, so many things that we've seen in the world, you know, everything going on in the Middle East, uh, things that have happened with COVID. And when you have when you have all of those concerns, the best way you can get by him is to rely on Christ. He becomes your foundational pillar. I like this quote, Isaiah eleven, six, nine, the reign of Messiah will bring peace and safety to Israel. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. Yeah. Peace. Peaceful kingdom, I call it. Peaceful kingdom. So even with all this chaos going on, that's what you find in Christ. Exactly right. That is what he is promising, and that is the peace you get, the Prince of Peace, when you follow Christ. And the good news is when you follow Christ, on top of the, the good news that he's the Messiah, is you can put all of this on him. And he's in control. 
it clearly states in the Bible that he is in control of all activities. He's the king of kings, and he sits at the highest power next to God the Father. Exactly. So he, they're in control. Yeah. What, whether we like what's going on, whether it is horrible. You know, I, I, I have this discussion with, with some people in our inner circle, you know, it, is it a lot worse today or was it a lot worse back then when they were killing Christians in the street? You know what? It's the same stuff, it seems. Look at Middle East. Look at everything going on. I mean, they're not putting them on a crucifix in the middle of the street. Uh, but in some countries, maybe they are. Yeah. I, I don't know uh, that. But it just seems like it's the same thing. That's why the word is so important. And you really have to be in it and absorb it to to get the full meaning. Yeah, you're right. Exactly right, David. And the other thing about studying the scripture and reflecting. Yeah. See, it's solid. It doesn't change. This look. It's thousands of years old. Mm -hmm. it, it's going to last another thousand years if we, you know, when we're going to be long gone. So it's it offers you like a touchstone, you know, when everything else around you is going chaotic. You can come to the word like we are today, and you go, "Wow, mm -hmm. this makes sense. Yeah, the promises have come true. Yeah, I can hold to these." And it's solid. Yeah. Everything in the world today, geopolitical, it's coming election year, the news cycle, media, it's all. You don't know what's true and what's false. Am I right, Anthony? Yeah, you don't. And it's meant to scare you and all this. But the Word of God gives you comfort, gives you stability, shows you how to pray, shows you how to live, how to raise your children. It's loaded. You know, it's just a, it's a comfort. And I think we as believers have to get back to the Bible. We have yeah. a lot of other good books. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I like commentaries and stuff. But we got, there's something when you read the Bible, it touches you at a deep level. You can, if you feel it almost, right? You, you, you can't get the blueprint of how to behave, how to handle crisis, and what the future holds if you're not in the Word. You're not going to get that just from people talking to you from the pulpit. That's right. I, I never did. Yeah, we have. Yeah, you got to really talk about it. You really have to get into it study. yourself and study it. And it comforts you. And, and it, it allows you, I mean, when we're back to the same uh, program again when we're talking about the supernatural being involved in our daily lives. You will not have a shield against it if you don't understand the word. Right. The sword is the word. the The biggest thing in my head, which makes me, you know, very excited to do the shows with you, is because I think about it. When they came for Jesus in the garden, what did Peter do? He had a, a physical sword. He cut the ear off of the military guy. When Jesus was approached by uh, Satan. When he was in the wilderness, he used the scripture right, as his point. sword. Yeah, good point. So, yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing now. I mean, right. we're, this is the thing. You know, Jan, here's the other thing that I love. Matthew 22, we just read that. You know, um, verse 43, and he said to them, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? And they couldn't answer. So he, as you said, is schooling the Pharisee. Right, right. He is showing us... He's not from this planet. Right. 2,000 years later. He is not the normal prophet. He's not the normal human. With not. the way he talks and the way this this book is developed and the miracles we have seen, that kind of, those small little situations really give me strength. Well, you yeah. point there because if you just look at the life of Jesus, the way he moves yeah. and talks and what he says and what he doesn't say, let alone his miracles, who you gotta even if you're not a Christian, you gotta say to yourself, who was this man? You know, in three weeks' time, we celebrate Christmas. I don't care how materialistic I do care, but it's materialistic or whatever, whatever. 
But for some reason, yeah. this I mean, we don't do it for Albert Schweitzer. We don't do it for Muhammad Gandhi. We don't do it for the Buddha. We don't Muhammad, but we do it for this person called Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, he lives to be thirty-three years old, and he dies one of the worst criminal deaths ever. Two thousand years later, we're sitting here on this radio program talking about this person. Yeah, maybe there's somebody listening today, and they never really thought about this. You know, for twenty-seven years of my life, especially when I left home, went overseas during the you know army during the Vietnam War. I didn't think about these things. I didn't ponder because you're so distracted with life. You know, you're so distracted, running here, running there. But once you settle down and go, wait a minute, does this man check all the boxes for me? He he, he tells me about how this channel yeah. was created. He shows me I have a purpose. That's he right. offers me forgiveness. He says the Holy Spirit will indwell me. He's making a mansion for me in heaven. He's shown me how to get answers to prayer. Yeah. He's shown me how to raise my children. I mean, he checks all the boxes. He checks everything. So yeah. So back to Isaiah, David. Yeah. When you so we saw chapter seven, mm-hmm. virgin who's going to bear this child. They're going to call him right. Chapter nine, we see these uh, attributes of him. You know, he's going to be alike to the Gentiles. He's called wonderful, called mm-hmm. the mighty God. Yep. Now uh, and then eleven, we saw he's going to be a great light to the Gentiles. That's important because the Jews were always looking for the Messiah for their country, for Israel, for them. But the Messiah, when he comes, he's for all nations. All well, he's called a light to the Gentiles. But now let's look at verse chapter thirty-five. We're going to learn a little bit more about it. Okay, chapter thirty-five, maybe chapter uh, verse one. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord and the splendor of our God. Okay, this is a poetic Hebrew poet. Yes. And it talks about the coming Messiah. Uh, everything's blooming, you know, there's joy. But notice it says here, they shall see the glory of the Lord. That's what John says in chapter 1. We have seen his glory yeah. as the only begotten of the Father. And then it says, they will see it. And then he says, what's he going to do? Verse 3. Strengthen the hands of the weak, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong, do not fear. What is Jesus constantly saying? Be strong, do not fear. Um, then it says, yeah. verse 5, he will do what? 5 and 6. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lamb leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Wow. Yeah. See, he's coming and he's bringing this kind of power with him that he's going to open blind eyes. Now the, the Messiah is coming and we're learning more and more about him. That's what the, is kind of going on there, what he well, say those things. And I, I I was one of those people, uh, the eyes of the blind. Yep. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to, you know, I mean, I, again, I just thought, I kind of thought I could do, do it part time. Yeah. I kind of thought I could get everything part-time and on my own time and in my own way. Yeah. Because, again, I was just led by, I was baptized, so I'm not going to the fiery gates of hell. That was the main thing. So um, it, it is so important to really to really be in this and understand it. And I hate to keep bringing that up, but, man, that shows you how far I've come just by understanding more. But I had to get in the Word to understand more. Yeah, right. Otherwise, I was blind, just like in the scriptures had. So if they're reading this five, six, seven, six hundred years before the Messiah comes, yeah. and they're going, when he comes, 
he's going to open the eyes of the blind. Well, nobody was opening blind eyes back in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. See, Jesus does it. Matter of fact, in John chapter 9, yeah. even the blind man says, there's never been a prophet that's opened somebody's eyes that was blind from birth. That's what Jesus is doing on a regular basis. And he's opening the deaf ears. And he's healing cripples that they get up and run around. And, and it says, the lame shall leap like a deer. Yeah. The tongue of the dumb shall see. Uh, the water shall birth forth in the wilderness. So it has all this life is coming. Life is and Lazarus was four days, wasn't it? Uh, he was in the tomb. Who? Lazarus. Yeah, four days. Yeah. So starting potentially to decay. Oh, yeah. Right? And so the, he that's why he waited too. Yeah. Uh, I think. Well, I, I, I'm not God, but I'm just saying just to shimmel what he did. Is that the, the, the only God could do this. Yeah, right. right. He, he wasn't knocked out. You know, he wasn't sleeping. He wasn't um, four to eight. Yeah. So anyway. So then, then so if if we're alive at the time he's coming, like first century in Israel, and you saw this man going around, and he's opening blind eyes. Yeah. The crippled people are jumping up and down and running around, and people that are deaf mutes are getting their ears and they're able to talk. You're going, something's happening. Yes. Where is he from? And then you hear more and more about him, that he was born in Bethlehem, and he, you know, all of these kind of... Mm -hmm. So you're starting to put it together that this is... So now it tells us he's coming, and then here's the big announcement is coming. And if you look at chapter 40, that's where um, we're going to see verse 3. Now, now you're going to see, here's where the kind of the New Testament part of the Isaiah clicks on. If you look at... 40 verse 3? 40 verse 3 through 5. Okay. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, and rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So here we have John the Baptist. What does he say? The voice of one crying in the wilderness. What? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's what John was preaching. He'll actually quote this in John chapter 1. Make a highway. In other words, get things smoothed out. Get get your heart right. Rebrand. Get everything ready. That's what it means in poetry. The crooked places shall be made straight. The rough places smooth. Why? The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. In other words, in the Old Testament, when when there was a tabernacle where God dwelt, that was his glory. They actually saw it, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Same thing when they came into uh, Jerusalem. They didn't need a tabernacle. They needed a temple. The glory of the Lord was there, like a lighted presence all. But now it says here, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. That's when Jesus comes. The glory is revealed in flesh now. Yeah. And the flesh, all flesh shall see it. In other words, human beings are not going to see it. Then the mouth of the Lord has spoken us. It's going to happen. Then the voice of the Lord cried out. They cried out again. And then, then, then it goes on. It talks about the coming of the really good news. Look at verse 9. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. There you go. Yeah, you see what it's saying? You say this is now we have introduced the coming Messiah. We saw his birth in chapter right. seven. We saw him being introduced here by John the Baptist, and now we have a gospel. It goes shouted in the high mountains. You see, and I say here like he's it's like exalted. Bring the good tidings. That's what gospel means. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. And say what? Behold your 
God. Yes. That's what Emmanuel means. You see how it's starting to connect together? All these threads are fit together. And then what does it say about him? Verse 10, behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong arm. In other words, strength. Mm -hmm. His arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him. But look at his character. Look at verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Notice, what does that tell you about his character? Yeah, he's gentle. Yes. He's, he's come up with a good message. It says, the Son of Man did not come to, to judge the world, but but that to save the world. You know, that's what it says. It says, uh, uh, Mark, it says, the Son of Man has not come to be certain, mm-hmm. but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He's He is the good shepherd. Yeah, that's what you're seeing. Right. But do you see how Isaiah is unfolding? Yes. The character of the Messiah here? It's really, he's like painting a picture for us. It's very powerful, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. When you really look at the, the picture that's emerging. And now, when you see uh, chapter 42, John introduced, in chapter 40, John the Baptist introduces Jesus, right? Look at chapter 42 and uh, read verse uh, 1 and uh, one and 2. Well, just read verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nation. Notice that? Yeah. What happens after John the Baptist introduces Jesus? The baptism of Jesus. Yeah. And what's it said? Think of what happened when Jesus was baptized. The the, the, the clouds open up, the dove came down, and the place God said, uh, this is my son, I am most well what's, pleased. What's he saying here? Yeah. Behold my servant who I uphold, my life one whom my soul delights. I'm well pleased. I have put my what? Spirit upon him. Yes. And he will do what? He'll bring justice to Gentiles. It's not just for Israel. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the what? World. World, not just Israel. Now look at his attitude again, his demeanor. Look at verse uh, 2 through 4. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings, the islands will put their hope. Notice this. Now. Yeah. Notice. He's coming forth, and he, look at his attitude again. You know, yeah. he, as he comes forth, he's gentle. He's, he's, coming, he's coming to the people. He's calling them in righteousness. But he says here, uh, verse 6, I will keep you and give you as a covenant. One thing he's going to do is establish the new covenant. And he's going to be what? A light to the Gentiles. Verse 7, what's he going to do? How are you going to prove it? He will open blind eyes. He will bring prisoners out of prison. In other words, people that have been bound up, yeah, maybe demon-possessed. Those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Who is this? I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carve images. See, he, he says, look at what he says in verse 9. And new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Do you see, yeah. he's got this power of the prophetic. That's why Jesus says, Destroy this temple, I'll raise it in three days. Remember? Yeah. That's, he's saying how he's going to die, but how he's going to rise. Chapter 13 of the Gospel of John, verse 19 says, I tell you these things before they happen, so that after they happen, you might believe I am he. This is all predicted six to seven hundred years before Jesus comes on the scene. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, so, it's so powerful that it's, uh, it's, it's almost hard to believe, except that it's written in the book. You know, it's right here for all of us to see. Well, um, 
I think that's what makes it so clear that it's the word of God. Yeah, right. I, I mean, when you tie these both together and how clearly they tie together and how perfectly yeah, they right. tie together, the, there's there's no other answer. There was, what, 40 different authors over 2,000 years that wrote the Bible, John? Close to 40 authors over 2,000 yeah, years? Yeah, roughly. And, and it fits together like uh, like uh, like a Mona Lisa painting. Yeah, it's seamless. You, you know, right. Like it was just one author. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. Um, it was God that, that gave all these uh, prophets and whatnot the ability to write this. Exactly right. Yeah. And then when you look at the tapestry of Scripture, you see all these different threads. Yeah. I remember when I was, uh, I was in this Persian carpet shop up in Chiang Mai once, and I was talking with a guy, and he was showing me, these, these things are gorgeous. But you look at the back of it, you see all these threads, blue, red, yellow, all almost discombobulated, yeah. right? Yeah. And he flips it over, and it's like, wow, this most perfect picture they were doing of an oasis or a well or a mountain. But all those threads in the background, you don't realize they all work together. When he flips it, what we're doing now is flipping it so you can see the composite picture. And this is one of my big dreams going forward, David, in 2024, is, is to show the strength of our source of authority. Mm -hmm. It's something, and it's not just meant for Bible scholars or, you know, some of these. Yeah. yeah. It's meant for everyday people. Everyday Christians should know this. And I want to guess, and uh, on their fingertips, so to speak. Yeah. All right. 42 again. Look what he's going to do in verse 7. You open blind eyes, bring prisoners out of darkness. Then he says, I am the Lord, that is my name, that my glory I will not give to another. And of course, he says, Behold the former things that have come to pass, new things I declare before right. they spring forth. He's declaring himself that he can foretell the future. Right. All of these things are wrapped up, uh, if I can put it like that, way in the person of Jesus. He says it again. This is very important. Look at verse 12 of chapter 43. Uh, look at verse, uh, let's go verse 11. 43? Uh, chapter 43, verse 11 and 12. Let me get there. Okay, verse 11 and 12. I, I, even I am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I, and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Notice he says, I have declared and saved. Yeah. He says, there's no Savior besides me. That's why you cannot say, when Jesus declares himself to be a Savior, or a Savior, you cannot say that unless he's God. Because right here, God says, there's no Savior besides me. But if Jesus is God, then he can be that Savior. Does that make sense? It's very that. It's really yeah. kind of works itself. And and so for the, for I'm just thinking about the folks that think he was just a good prophet. Yeah, that's a big problem. They're missing it big time. And again, the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And this is the problem, David. I call it unexamined unbelief. Mm -hmm. they, I, I did not examine this stuff before I was a believer, right? I just didn't, I don't know, I didn't have that much interest in it or something. But once I became a Christian in 1970, it opened up. Oh, God, I can see this now. You know, um, I, I might go so far as to say this. You know, a lot of people think if, if they're doing something that's not paying the bills or not promoting their career, it's not worth doing. Yeah. Um, or if they like their extracurriculars and they're focused on the physical side because we're always pulled with what the physical body writes. Right. But this is the the most important thing you can do 
to protect your career, to protect your family, to protect your health and your family. Right, right. It drives all of them. That's why this has to be the lead. You have to, you have to change your thinking. <laughs> You're right. And and I didn't do it till 14 years ago when I had to. You're right, David. It's exactly it, the crisis drove me to it. Otherwise, I would have just kept floating along doing my thing. Yeah. One thing after another, checking out the boxes. You're like all of us, David. Because but once you've seen it, yeah. once you accept Christ, what happened to your life? Oh, the total transformation. Not just for me, but for our family. Uh, and is this the people? Some of the people that we've you know connected with now, I see them, you know, uh, coming more involved with Christ. I mean, that's the beautiful thing. I mean, that's okay. Cool. This past Saturday, you were at my son's wedding. Yes, Sean uh -huh. Yeah. Well, that was that was because of God right. brought them together, and you I mean, can feel the presence of God in yeah, Rome uh -huh. because He's being glorified. But that's you know. We, it's hard to tell people that aren't believers. You know, once you're on the inside, you, you can see this stuff when you're outside. Right. But man, there's a certain harmony to your life yeah. that happens when you come to Christ and start following his word. Yeah. And uh, I remember when the the uh, pastor uh, said, this is what they both said about each yeah. other. The most important thing or the thing that really uh, got them excited about the other person was their faith in right. God. Right. Both of them. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. It, it wasn't uh, the workouts. It wasn't their bankroll. Yeah, right. It was their faith in God. Exactly right. So, so all right, we're going to wrap it up because now we saw yeah. the birth that can set virgin born. We saw that he's going to be called mighty God. Right. We saw something about his, his, his demeanor. He's gentle. He's the good shepherd. He's going to open blind eyes. All of this stuff is in the pages of Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Now, when you come to chapter 52, um, now we're going to see that he's coming to earth He's bringing salvation, and um, all the nations, it says in chapter 52, how uh, that when he comes, uh, verse 10, it says, the Lord has made bare his holy arm. In other words, he's revealed himself in the eyes of all the nations. In other words, all peoples are going to see it. All the ends of the earth shall see salvation of our God. That's why we're sitting here now in Bay Village, Ohio. Right. This thing started way back there, 2,000 years, but we're yeah. touched by it in a very real way. Mm -hmm. But now comes his death and his crucifixion. Look at verse 13 of chapter 52. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. All right, now this is, we're coming to the yeah. end. This Savior came into the world Man, right. three years later. Okay, now he's 33 years old. He's going to be killed. And it says his form was marred more than any man. Yeah, tortured. He was beaten. Um but he shall sprinkle many nations, even though he's going to be... Now, here's where the, the Jewish person might think, okay, how can he be marred more than any man and, and, and you know, just brutalized? But then how can he sprinkle many nations? That means cleanse. How can he cleanse many people, many nations? And then they can't figure this out. But then you slide into chapter 40 and 53, who has believed their report and to whom the arm of the Lord has been revealed. In other words, that's where he reveals himself. Then it talks about him growing up again in verse 2. Of 53. Uh -huh. 
He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no boot, uh, beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. There is a very common look at yes. coming out of a little hinterland in, the, in the, the place called the Galilee there. Right. But notice, he is despised, he's rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid our faces from him. He's despised. We, now, do you see? He's, he's Now this is suffering phase. This is like you said in your question about the Jewish people. They have, they have a hard time seeing this. Truly, he has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken. He's smitten by God. This was God's plan. He was wounded for who? Our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 5. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Right. We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every way to his own. And the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all on him. He was oppressed. So we're all in this suffering phase right here now. You see how it clicks? Yeah. The whole sweep of his life in the book of Isaiah. Yeah. You know, it would go on. It's 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 really a true love story from the time of Adam and Eve's sin. It was clearly stated there that he was coming. And then you go through the Bible and you see more unrest, more, you know, uh, fighting. Uh, but it's all about Christ. Exactly. It, it's just to tell the story that he's coming. And he is the son of God. 700 years before the event. 700 years. That's that's almost. So we'll have to wrap it up. I mean, we're going to pick up because we're kind of in the Christmas season. We're going right. to do prophecies in Christmas that beyond this one. Mm -hmm. And um, But again, thank you for listening. This yes. is WNCN Radio coming to you from Laurel, Ohio, 89.1 FM. Um, if anyone has heard this message today, maybe you've heard it before, maybe you've never decided it puts your trust and faith in the person of Jesus Christ. I would implore you this Christmas season to think mm -hmm. about it. It's a great time to start out a new year in 2024, a brand new chapter. Uh, we did it. And David did it. And yeah, I'm out of years. I did it way back when. And never, never look back again. And I would urge you to consider the claims of Jesus Christ. And again, I would, if you're really interested on your own, I would start reading the Gospel of John. Just do one chapter a day and ask God to reveal himself to you. Number two, find a church in your area, a good church. And I'm not talking about Jehovah Witness or Mormon or something like this, but a Bible-believing church that you can go to and hear the Word of God and meet people of God to help strengthen your faith. So, Dan, until we meet again, yeah. you know, God, uh, God bless everyone that's listening. God bless. Thanks, everybody.